Uh, but with that being said, and with that being said, and with that being said, with that being said, I'm really thankful I, I got that chance to go play at K State. With that being said, with that being said, thank you all. With that being said, I am. Uh, Hey guys, uh, excited for episode 13 of, and with that being said, uh, wanted to throw it on over to my co-host, Gerald Foster. We got to thank some, uh, some of our sponsors and, uh, let people know what's happening with training right now with five is one. Hey, what's up guys. Uh, it's just time for us to give our shout outs. Thanks for fixed sports and monument allowing us to be in your facilities. Uh, Ray Crowler, uh, tip of the spear with the blast shells you guys provided for us. It's been amazing. Uh, Clint Anderson, the Lyman Performance Association, um, you guys giving us the tools that we're able to use to be able to just make it uh, a little easier on our guys. It's been great. Um, it's been really good for us. Uh, I mean, I know that you're you're running our Wednesday mornings. I'm running our Sundays out here in Colorado. If you guys are young guys out there. Get out, come see what we got. Even if you don't want to come to us, tell us that you want us to come to you. We'll come figure it out. Hey, man, this thing is mobile. And, uh, Gerald, you are rocking the uh, the best outfit right now. We can't wait for college football. Uh, football there's going to be, there, be a lot of traveling going on, so we want to spend a uh, plenty of time getting from airport to airport to watch some of these games. So, Zoa Energy Drakes, we appreciate uh, when we're a little lacking of sleep to uh, hit the road, the official sponsor of the XFL and our podcast. But uh, when we're down in Texas, we want to thank our sponsors, Hop and Sting Brewery and Vaqueros Texas Barbecue. Like you said, man, you're doing training on the weekends because I'm going to be all over watching college football. Uh, and then I'm doing the Wednesday. Morning. So if you want to uh, get a little work in the morning here in uh, Colorado, there's plenty going on. And once the season is over, there is plenty of expansion going on. Uh, we've got Georgia, we've got Texas, we've got Cali, and then here in Colorado. So lots of expansion for five is one. This show, moms, dads, prospects, we're going to talk some recruiting this week. So we've got some special guests, some some guys that are uh, in the recruiting circles, Kyle Morgan, Alex Simpson with Catapult Recruiting Services. They're going to throw their knowledge at you guys on uh, just kind of what the process is. So uh, excited to have you guys aboard. Look forward to this next episode, episode 13. Gerald, hard to believe. We got to 13. 13, man. We got to 13. And with that being said, let's get started. Hey, guys, welcome to our Five is One podcast. And with that being said, uh, excited to be joined by my co-host, Gerald Foster in the house. Hey, how's it going, guys? Wait a minute. We do need to talk about the outfit. I mean, I know we're getting close to college football. I'm just kind of wondering who you're excited for this week, Gerald. What What do you mean? Is there Is there any question? Uh, it, it's about time for Nebraska to be out there. I drank the Kool Aid. Uh, we're in that week, you know, the first week. Football is finally here. Thursday, we're going to be playing Minnesota, 7 p.m. Central Standard Time. I don't know. I I might know when we're playing. I might know where we're playing. Uh, hopefully, we do well. Hopefully, uh, if we don't, then I'm gonna act like, you know, that fan that's like, well, you know, it's our first year with the new coach and I'll, I'll jump on that bandwagon. If we kill it, then uh, I'll be like, well, I always knew that our team was amazing. So it's a win-win. It's going to be a good year for us. Hey, the rest of us kind of followed suit because we all rocked the black shirts uh, with uh, with the Cornhuskers today. So uh, excited to talk some recruiting, some college football. Uh, we've got two representative of uh, of Catapult Recruiting Services uh, this is our catapult recruiting special going on because this is the time that these high school guys are starting to get noticed. And I uh, wanted to introduce a couple close friends uh, that are uh, friends of mine that I've known in the industry for a number of years, whether coaching them individually or getting to know them while being a recruiter on the road. So first off, I wanted to introduce uh, Alex Simpson. Alec is the California Scouting Director uh, for Catapult Recruiting Services and uh Alec, you and I go back, right? We got a little history um, 
back at Nevada, back in Reno. You were a baller back we then. Do. <laughs> we do go way back, man. In 2016, uh, you know, you were recruiting, obviously, for Nevada, where it was the offensive line coach. And I was an inside backer as a true freshman over there at Nevada. So um, played under Bryant Boy in there for a bit. But, man, me and Coach Jaime go all the way back in 2016. So great people and love what he's got going on with five as one. Hey, you are uh, what you played at uh, Pacific Palisades out in out in Cali, and yeah, my C section CIF, yes sir. Okay, gotcha. Played a little uh, inside backer, and so when I was coaching the O line, you were always that pain in the ass that was on the scout team, creating some, <laughs> cre- you know, creating havoc and problems, running through the A and you know, <laughs> I was about to say he had only nice things to say about you, and I was like, what? Well, that doesn't even make sense to me. <laughs> and, a line medical with great things to say about the offensive line coach. Good. Hey, well, we 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 had a good little bond. So <laughs> you know what, Coach Hobby always so low. Appreciate it. That's the thing, man. You always want a great look, and you want guys to create havoc and problems on the scout team because you want the guys to get ready for for Saturday afternoon. And and so Alec was one of those guys that you know you tell him to hit that a gap. Hey, man, it's on to create havoc, and he would do that. So he coaches love him, and he was one of those guys. And you know, being around Coach Polian, I think Brian was was an excellent evaluator. And Alec, we can talk a little bit more about kind of how you evaluate talent. But I want to introduce uh, your uh, uh, co-worker uh, from Catapult, uh, Kyle Morgan. And Kyle is the Southwest Regional Scout. And he handles Arizona, Utah, Nevada, kind of a lot of that kind of uh, New Mexico. In New Mexico also? Yeah hit that territory because when I was recruiting at the Air Force Academy, again, it was a new area for me. I was trying to figure out where to go. It was a tough time during COVID. And so, of course, I reached out to the Southwest uh, Regional Scout in the area to say, hey, who do I need to go see? Who are the guys we need to go find? And Kyle was a tremendous resource, as a great evaluator. Um, number one, a ton of respect, an incredible family man. And uh, we're going to talk about the connections in your family and how much football has uh, changed your family and motivated your family. And your son, Andrew, is a uh, is a um, personnel, player personnel um, director or at least an assistant at the University of Arizona as an undergrad. And so, Kyle, he is uh, he's following suit just like I did. I followed my dad into the coaching world. And your son, Andrew, is a, a really an up-and-coming star in the personnel industry and, and, uh, excited to, uh, talk about him. So welcome aboard, Kyle. I appreciate you having me. Thank you. And Kyle also is, uh, a part of a, uh, apparel company that, uh, seven on apparel, if I'm not mistaken, is yeah. that what it's called? Yep. Gotcha. The other appreciate guys, the plug, the, the little guys <laughs> that are out there, not the five is one, but we want to shout out that, you know, you can't run ISO and duo every play that you do eventually have to throw the rock a little bit, maybe stock some some support safeties out there. But uh, want to pub his company, Seven On Apparel, for what they're doing. Um, and what what's the number one selling T-shirt, if I'm not mistaken, from Seven On's gear? That is the Run Power shirt with the uh, the Run DMC logo there. So, mm, got to give you credit where credit's due. Like somebody's got somebody's to make the holes for these touchdowns to be scored. And see. Gerald, Gerald, I think you could rock that with the uh, with the bucket hat. What do you think, man? Look, I'm gonna have to go and give me one. It All sounds right, exactly. like a shirt that I'd wear. That mirror size, and I'll, I'll hook you up. We just get that. <laughs> That's easy enough. I'm already. I'm gonna like, hey, text that right now. I don't. <laughs> this is gonna be a perfect podcast. I'm getting free stuff. I'm happy. <laughs> hey, hey, the hat looks good on you. Hey, um, so. Um, we might have to do a cross promotional uh, with seven on and some five as one uh, to get some gear out there to uh, all the coaches and players out there. But this is uh, high school football season right now. It kicked off last week or so. Alec and Kyle, you guys are seeing players all over the West Coast. Um, Catapult does a tremendous job about getting players exposure to so many different college uh, programs. Um Alec, you're the uh, you're the the California scouting director. Can you give us a little bit of insight to what Catapult does, how they connect players to coaches, and who are some of the clients that Catapult um, has that that are reaching out to find players? Sure, um, you know Catapult is a uh, collegiate scouting database. It's NCAA verified each year, so we work directly with the NCAA on getting verified each year. So uh, we work with over 250 college programs. 
Our job is to facilitate information when it comes to contact info, uh, verified information, heights and weights, and verified speeds on prospects all across the country. I mean, we have over 20 plus scouts in, in specific regions. Obviously, I cover California. I also cover Hawaii as well. Um, you know, Kyle covers four states there in the Southwest, and Nick Farman does a great job up in the Pacific Northwest, along with Chris Jackson and Gregory Moreland Ton in the NorCal area. They do a good job for us. But, you know, we have scouts all over the country, you know, hitting up games weekly, getting weekly scouting reports on guys, and really getting top performance reports out to all these college programs, you know, around the country. So, um, you know, our job is to, like I said, facilitate that information, get those scouting reports, along with um, getting the GPS data. Um, that we get with our wearable GPS vests that that kind of do look like sports bras as it has become an NFL meme now with <laughs> with Kyler Murray and, and a couple weeks back. And, you know, those are actually used to track top miles per hour, energy exerted, um, you know, distance ran throughout the duration of a workout and game. And, you know, that miles per hour data point has become a game changer um, when it comes to evaluating players and prospects. And uh, really, you know, now we got tons of colleges that are asking, you know, what's top speed on that guy this week? What's top speed on that guy this week? And um, the reality is Kyle and myself, we're out getting best on kids. We're there at four thirty, five o'clock, way before a game starts, getting the best on the kids and uh, making sure that they hit those top speeds. And the, those data points go to, uh, you know, over 250 college programs nationwide. So um, it's really a game changer when a kid hits 20 miles an hour, 21 miles an hour in game. And uh, I went to a game last week, Warren High School versus Sarah High School over there in Downey, California. We had three kids hit over 20 miles an hour. Um, one being a Colorado State commit, another one being a Washington State commit, um, and another running back in the 2024 class, Sincere Rainey, at Sarah, California, at Sarah High School over in Gardena, at 5'10", five, five, 205 pounds, it's 20.5 miles an hour. So, I mean, we're talking moving, and, you know, the it's they become life-changing data points, and uh, it's just awesome to be able to work in this space with Kyle and the rest of our staff to be able to provide, you know, that opportunity for these kids to get all that information uploaded into our, into our database, uh, dispersed out to all these college programs and to be ultimately be able to change lives. That's big time, man. And, and I, I think the, you know, we talked about the five is one apparel and the seven on gear that's out there, Gerald, I think you might have to rock one of the vests, uh, in one of the shows. What do you think? <laughs> I just want to see if, if you think Kyler Murray looks like he's wearing a bra, mine's going to be full. Okay. <laughs> well, good job. I have many of them on to be in the wrong stadium. A seating. Give me a do, they, do they come? Do they come in cup? Do they come in cup sizes or? Okay. All right. Never mind. Never mind. Man, talking about speeds anyway. What, what would you run? Let's stick it on you. I want to see you hit a forty. Let's see how. I don't know. I mean, from sideline to sideline, you know, I I can only run a short distance as a coach, so it's going to be real short bursts, and uh, it's probably going to be early in a game before maybe I wear myself down. But I got to get. Right now, I'm a little bit in the off season. You know, the the XFL was the spring. I don't know that I'm really at my top performance level right now. So I got a little bit of time to get ready to go before the so 20 miles an hour right now. That, that's okay. what you're saying. Yeah, just right. that's that's your usual. That's your casual. I appreciate it. Hey, Kyle. One of the yeah. things that I think is really cool about uh, Catapult is it's free to the students. Like, it's not like you guys are a um, a recruiting service that kids have to pay for. Is that correct? Like, isn't it free for these kids just to get ranked and evaluated? Absolutely. hundred percent free. Always has been, always will be. Um, I'm very passionate about making sure that um, I educate, you know, families and kids on, on the recruiting process so that they can avoid some of those pitfalls. But um, absolutely catapult hundred percent free, fill out the profile, um, that gets sent to us where we get all that data and put it into the database and then evaluate the film. And then from there, we can start contacting coaches on their behalf um, that would be a, a good fit. And like, do you guys also look at the academic makeup of a kid? Like all of a sudden, hey, kid, you, you might, and I don't know, I'm just looking at potential clients of yours. You probably have some higher academic schools that are looking for a little bit more um, of the right fit for a kid and for a prospect, do you take transcript evaluation also, or are they just in charge of uploading that themselves? How does that go about uh, trying to find a match for school? Yeah, absolutely. Academics is a huge part in, in kind of finding that fit. Um, we do have a number of high academic 
uh, programs that do subscribe to our services. So whether it be Ivy Leagues or, you know, the Cal Stanford, those types. Um, absolutely. So they can upload their transcripts into their profile. Um, and then we can then, you know, connect those dots and, and kind of set them up with a, a, the right fit. <clears throat> so like, how do you guys starting the process? I mean, if you go to a big time game, like Alec, you were talking about going to watch a game with Sarah or a big time program, there's going to be more kids at those higher profile programs, obviously. I mean, that's the nature of high school sports right now. Kids are transferring even high schools to go to the kind of go to the school that might get them noticed. But how would you find a kid that's maybe at a smaller school? How do you hear about them? Is it word of mouth? Is it going to combines? Like, where are you finding your kids that you think are matches for schools? Is it a database? Like, how does this whole process start for you guys? Well, we are the database. So really, we don't have anywhere to draw from. So it's really just getting the boots on the ground and and hitting all those places you mentioned. So we're going to practices, camps, uh, seven-on-seven tournaments, um, you know, talking to youth coaches, see who's coming up, um, you know, working the relationships, who's transferring in, who's transferring out. Um, And then, you know, you get to show up to a game like I did last week in Flagstaff and, um, you know, there's some diamonds in the rough up there. And, and that's, that's intriguing. And then I'm on the phone and I'm saying, Hey, you got to take a look at this linebacker. Um, he's got no offers. He's a senior and he can absolutely help a program. So it's really just, you know, turning over every single rock we come across. Yeah. I mean, I'm able to, well, I was just wondering, are people able to, to reach out to you guys? Like say a small town player, is he able to somehow get out? Yeah. Okay. That makes sense. And I was trying to figure out how, because I know there are a lot of people that ask that question. How do you find yourself out of the, what, what would even be not, not really being recruited, kind of being looked over because you're in an area where, you know, there aren't the five-star kids that you'd be able to play. How do you get yourself into the recruiting databases and things like that? Yeah, I mean, that really goes from us doing a ton of research on Twitter. I mean, Kyle and I and the rest of our staff are scraping Twitter every day to find these kids. I mean, Twitter is the name of the game and the right way of the name of the game when it comes to uh, really getting your name out there, putting your initial, uh, you know, fuel for college coaches out there that you're available as a recruit. So, um, you know, we're constantly looking at Twitter, um, you know, looking at what other journalists are saying in different parts of the state and country, wherever we're at and, um, you know, just trying to find as many resources as possible to find these kids. And we use every outlet, every, you know, scenario to find these guys. And, um, you know, I've found kids at times and, and, you know, the middle of Merced or, you know, in the middle of Hillmar and in the, the central Valley area and, you know, up in the central coast. I mean, there's kids all over the place that you just wouldn't think are ballers, but then you go look at Lamore high school and they got a couple of division one kids over in that central Valley area. I mean, there are dudes in these little pockets of places. And, you know, like you said, Gerald, yeah, they do reach out to us and, and, and ask, you know, Hey, can I watch, can you watch my tape? Can you give me evaluation? And, you know, we're happy to do that on a daily basis. So, you know, that's another part of our jobs is to interact with these kids, let them know, Hey, we're a huge, you know, uh, you know, presence in this recruiting space. And we're happy to help out as much as we can when it comes to getting their names out there, getting them their exposure. And I, I, I'm sorry. So Joe. with that being said, you should never pay for a recruiting service. Correct. Ooh, Amen. Beautiful right there. You guys are, <laughs> you, need, you don't need to pay. I mean, you know, you guys are just trying to help facilitate. You're trying to connect the dots from the prospect and the parents to the coaches to find the right fit, right? I mean, to be able to find those kids, like, let, let's get into it. Like, let's say a kid's just getting started. Maybe they're just starting their first year or they're, wanting to play college football and they have the potential to maybe be a a group of five type of player or a one double a caliber type of player um they have that potential what would you guys advise kids and parents to do like let's get right let's cut right to the chase like i'm talking to some parents with our training that we do with five is one and they're kind of like clueless for the process how do we get this started, coaches? Said number one, you got to go make yourself available to coaches. You better, 
you better reach out and you better have gone to their camps. You better show up at a game. You better reach out and say, hey, coach, I want to come to your game this weekend. How can kids, I don't want to say sell themselves, but how do they create a dialogue between themselves and uh, a recruiting staff at a college or an area recruiter? Alec, you want to? Sure. Uh, you know, I think kids at this day and age at 15, 16, 17 years old have to learn self-marketing techniques before they even enter a college classroom, i.e. find the right information to put in their Twitter bio, uh, you know, to project out to college programs, getting your uh, verified height and weight, your verified GPA, some sort of contact information, meaning an email or a phone number, just some way in form of contact to be able to get a hold of you outside of just Twitter DMs and messages, um, along with your, you know, if you've got an ACT or SAT score, and then even attached maybe a bit of coach's contact, um, just to have the minimum of that type of information within your bio um, and, and your high school name, obviously, things of that nature, um, just to have that information in there, just so college coaches, when they see you on Twitter, they can go, all right, this checks out. I would like to get to know this kid along with having his huddle profile link in there, um, you know, just just as, as much information as you can get in that little bio as possible. Um, and you put yourself on, uh, just broadcast yourself to the masses. And set it up so that that college coach doesn't have to leave your your Twitter profile, right? So if they got to start searching things, now you're off the map. And and these coaches have such a short time frame to work in their work day, whether it be you know practice, meetings, film, all that stuff. You know, they might only have an hour to sit down and eval um, as a, as a group or as a staff. So make sure that all that's just in one spot and your Twitter profiles, you know, the best place for that. So, you know, the, the clickable huddle link right there, maybe record it. So it plays automatically right there, pinned to your profile. Um, but yeah, just as much info uh, about you as possible. Um, we'll at least get it started. And then as you get into the DMs, don't copy and paste, you know, that, that, that's tired. It, it, it doesn't work. Um, actually build a relationship and, and they want to know you as a student athlete and a person, um, just as you know, the student athlete should know, want to get to know the coach to see if it's a good fit instead of just blanket, you know, sending the same paragraph every week, um, to the same coach. And, you know, I've been sent the same copy and paste ones too. And, you know, like, Hey, Coach Taylor, you know, please take a look. And I'm like, well, I'm not Coach Taylor, but good luck. You know, like I kind of call him out like, look, man, that's not, you can't be doing that. So um, just be genuine, you know, at the end of the day, like it's got to be a right fit. So so make it the right fit and don't try and, you know, do the, the square peg and a round hole type thing with recruiting. Yeah, I would say one of the things after going through the process with my oldest son, um, you need to be available and you need to go out and market yourself. And uh, that's one of the things as a college coach that I wanted to see. I want to see a kid that wants to, you know, put himself out there. But you also need to be real realistic with the caliber of schools you're searching. Uh, if you're a kid that's never started in a varsity game, then you might not want to reach out to power five schools. You might want to just at least have started a varsity game and don't show freshmen and JV highlights and try to pawn them off as varsity snaps because they're going to find out one of these days. Now, it's good to put out content. That's fine. But let's be realistic. Let's be smart. And let's make it as easy, like you guys said, as easy as possible for college recruiters or personnel staffs to get your information. One of the things that we had some advice from someone and what I saw, which I thought was great, is put together an academic resume, an athletic resume that has everything there, that has height, weight, verification, contact info. It's got link to your transcript. It's got all your coaches' information. Make it super easy for someone to find you as a prospect. So sell yourself. Don't yeah, don't don't take anything for granted. Put it all out there for coaches because they got a lot of schools to hit. They got a lot of states. I know when I was recruiting in the Mountain West, like there were certain schools that I had eight different states I had to recruit. So you better make yourself stand out uh, than all those other guys across uh, just in your in your school and in your area. 
well, that's just it. There's this mountain of average. And, and I think parents in particular seem to forget about that is that there's a lot of good high school players. There's much fewer great high school <laughs> players and the great high school players are playing, still playing D2, D3, NAI. Like that's a good football player still, you know? So, you know, get off the D1 or bus mindset um, and, and just really, you know, work those relationships and, and go, go to these places because you're going to tell right away if it, if you like it or not, you know, if you're traveling, you know, from the West to the Midwest, you're going to learn a lot about yourself in that trip as well. And you're going to see how those coaches interact with you um, back. I think that's, that's hard for players to get off that D one mindset. I think it's even harder for some parents that they're, you know, in their head, they're like, well, my kid's the best thing that's ever seen a football field. And yeah. And they, they feed that to their kid. And then that now their kid has it in their head. Well, I can't go to, you know, a D one double a or a D two school. Cause that's not, that's not average, you know, in their head, what they think is average is D one, you know? And after you have that mindset, you're, you're lost in the, the sauce of it all for you. I, I just don't see you being able to then pull back and then understand that these are really, really good football players and if you have an opportunity to go to one of these schools, it's still a huge blessing. You should be happy that you got a chance for it. Oh yeah, no doubt. And and even even you know, look that from a, a broader view. Are you the best tight end on your team in your you know league or region? Now are you you know one of the best in the state? Or, you know for your division. Now are you the best in the region? That sort of thing. That's what all these schools are looking at. They're looking at all the best in a footprint of states, or you know that that they set in. Um, so you really got to be standing out to to get a, a solid opportunity like that. And I think that gets lost too. Like, well, um, you know, honorable mention all district. Well, you know, so are forty other guys in this state. You know what I mean? So. Um, Again, just set, work on separating yourself from that mountain of average. And and I, I'll, you know, piggyback off that. I mean, the, my, my saying is you've got to be a dude. You've got to be a dude. Whether, you know, that's in your league, that's in your region, that's, uh, you know, that's in the state. Be a dude, man. And walk like it, talk like it, play like it. And, um, you know, if you play like a dude, you're a ball player. And that, that means you're going to get an opportunity at the next level, but you have to be a dude to go to the next level, whether that's D1, D2, D3, NAI, even at the JUCO level, you've got to be a dude. So and this D1 bus, this D1 or bus mentality uh, can't be the case when there's so many other great programs out there at the FCS, D2, D3, NAI ranks. I mean, shoot, thinking about the Bears. I mean, Tyson Bajan is a, uh, you know, a quarterback that went undrafted out of Shepherd University in detailed West Virginia <clears throat> is now the second string quarterback by Justin Fields in Chicago. Um, so, you know what? The pathway is there at whichever school you choose. If you want to go to the next level, there is an opportunity wherever you go. Yeah, I think, and, and people need to understand it is difficult with where things are with the landscape of college football and putting a roster together, we're still on that tail end of the COVID recruiting years. You know, in, in the last couple of years, I think people don't realize there's less spots for high school kids. You still have super seniors on rosters right now, guys that are coming back for their sixth year of eligibility. And it's getting harder and harder because of the transfer portal. Coaches need immediate help. Now, you can't go all in on transfers all year, and that's your whole class unless you're, you know, maybe try to rebuild a program, but there's less and less opportunities. So I think kids need to be a little bit more realistic that, you know, maybe you're choosing a school, but it's not the school that you may not graduate from. It's okay. Just go and try to, uh, try to go find a home and uh, make a good impression on the coaches that are there because you never know those coaches might leave. And you see coaches in different polos every year. You guys probably see it all the time. You are talking to a coach one year, and the next year they're at another school, and then they end up taking all the kids that they signed with them. I mean, there's it's about building those relationships. But those high, those kids coming out of high school, it's less and less opportunities. Do you guys have any advice for those kids or 
how rosters are still impacted from COVID and now the transfer portal? I mean, you know, the the portal, I think, is a, a good thing for that immediate help. Um, as far as, like, saying, like, oh, man, it's so hard to put together a roster these days, I almost feel like it's probably a little bit easier mm-hmm. because you there's say what you want about it, but there's tampering going on, right? You know, if you got to go get a guy, school, they're going to go get a guy. Um, and then they go to the portal and they already have a home a day later, you know, weird how that works, but, but it is what it is. Right. And so you can go get those immediate needs. And even if you miss on a high school prospect, you still have that, that portal option, you know what I mean? And then, um, you know, instead of swinging for the fences with the high school prospect, you can kind of take a maybe a, a shot at someone, you know, that say, hey, you know, this guy's friend, but hey, what do we have to lose? You know, if we don't like him, we can push him out in a year. So I kind of feel like there's no better time to build a roster than right now with all those these tools going on. So, but as far as like limited opportunities and that, I mean, probably quarterbacks going to be the worst because you know that they're going to go get a portal guy and one high school guy. And, and that's just tough, you know. Now you got to be the high school prospect to play at said said college. You know what I mean? Um, knowing that then your next time the portal opens up, you're going to try and be recruited over again, and then the next class is coming through. So, um, quarterback is is the wild wild west, I think, in the portal era. Um, but it, it is good seeing kids get opportunities, you know, to uh, freely move about and 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 play more. Or, um, I mean, shoot, we could get into NIL and all that stuff and how they benefit from there, but that's probably another podcast, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it, it is good to see these kids get these opportunities. And, and I think, you know, as these super seniors start to go away, I don't envision the high school classes getting any bigger. I think we're kind of set where, you know, it's going to be maybe 10 to 15 high school kids, maybe, you know, 10 to 15 transfers, that sort of thing, um, to, to fill out a class. What, what, yeah, it's real quick. I'm sorry. What advice would you have for a kid maybe going in as a high school kid? And then all of a sudden they grab a portal, um, player that's a couple years older than you, you guys, I'm sure you've had those conversations. You meet those kids, you get to know the families. And then all of a sudden it's like, Oh man, coach or, or Kyle or Alec, Hey, they're, they're trying, they just keep recruiting over me. Um, if it happens repeatedly, you got to kind of think about, Hey, maybe I need to go somewhere else. But like, I'm sure you've seen kids to say, Hey, just stick it out, go compete. Don't all of a sudden run for the first exit just because they loaded up on their roster. Like believe in yourself and believe in the place that you're at. I don't know. Have you guys had some experiences the last couple of years with kids that just, Hey, put your head down and go to work instead of looking to leave all the time. Uh, you know, that that's, I mean, she, the portals has changed the college football landscape of recruiting. It's got it forever. I mean, when I, when I played ball with, with you, I mean, we were in Nevada, there was no portal. There was, you get Juco guys and you get grad transfers and you get your high school kids. And that's the way you build your roster. I mean, now where we're talking about every recruiting cycle, you're saving, you know, a third of your scholarships each year to the portal. Um, you know, that, that's just the reality of the landscape, and that's just the way it it's the way it is today. So it's not going to be it's not going anywhere. It's not changing. It's and I think it's going to be this way for a long time. So the reality is, if you're a high school kid and you see you see a lot of these other programs recruiting the portal, um, you know, you got to realize, like, look, you're going to go out and compete with some 20, 21 year old men. And, you know, if this is somewhere you really want to be, that, re- that really means you have to evaluate the school that you want to be at, not just the coaching staff you want to play for. Is this an environment I want to be in for three or four years? Are these, is this a place that I could go to sleep every night saying when I wake up, I want to be here every day. I want to walk around this town. I want to walk around and be around these people. And I want to be around my teammates. Um, and that's when you really have to start valuing those things and recruiting. And it's yeah, I mean, when you're, when you're trying to find the right fit for yourself. So, um, you know, you just have to take all those things into account with the portal now. And, you know, if the, if the depth chart is looking steeper than it did, um, you know, before you got your scholarship offer, before you committed, then reevaluate your options if that's something that you feel you need to do. But 
your options are more clear now than they ever were before when it comes to I mean, you're you're trying to get me on my soapbox. I mean, that question, you you literally tried to set me up to come in here upset because I'm already going to start it. Back in my day, okay, I'm going to do that back in my day. Back in my day, you'd go to a school for the school, and that's the way that it was set. You didn't go to a school for your coaches. You went to a school for the school, and you loved your program. And from that, then you were fine because, I mean, most of us, we understood we're not going to really come in our freshman year and play. We all knew we we're going to have our redshirt year. From that redshirt year, now it's for me to be able to understand what do I have to do to better myself, to be a better football player so I can get on the field. I don't know. It, I, I hope, and it's probably going to change back to something close to that here in a couple of years. I hope it does, that people, you know, they, they look at the program more instead of looking at the coach and just follow wherever coach goes. I hope. <laughs> this is this is like my heart, right? <laughs> You're tearing my heart out every single time we talk about this. But I want, I just want players to understand the program and they understand the history behind their program. And if they can start doing that again, then maybe we can find a little bit more love in the game for the, because that's what I always loved about the college world. It was different from the NFL world. You know, and I, I got to get off this soapbox because I'm, I'm going to go forever. Kyle, you got something to say, please? <laughs> <laughs> interrupt me get me out of this because I, I i literally i knew as soon as he was asking i was like oh god Jared, don't do this. if you're hanging on to that you're glutton for punishment because uh, we're never going back we're, we're not because i mean shoot we had you know dollar eggs milk and gas at one point in life that's never coming back all right so this portal area is here to stay um it's developing a, a mindset within these kids during the recruiting process and as long as they can freely, you know, transfer, you know, once, twice based on coaching changes, a third time with the grad, you know, grad transfer, that sort of thing, they're going to take advantage of that stuff. So um, I hate to break it to you, but it's it's not going away. Hey, we're talking to the hometown hero from Lake in Nebraska, you know, two-time <laughs> captain is rocking the bucket hat, you know, strong optimism reigns. Like, Gerald, it's different, man. It ain't ever going back, and it's only getting worse. You're you're looking at, in the next couple years, you already see the conference realignment. It is the haves yeah. and have-nots, and it is going to be the top 50 to 64 teams, and everybody else is 1AA football when you're talking about major Power 5 groups. I mean, it's amazing. You're talking about Whoever's left in whatever it is, the Pac-9, Pac-4, now you're talking Cal and Stanford in the Atlantic Coast Conference. Are you kidding me? Like, what, let's what get real. Gonna, it's called you, the Bicoastal Conference at this point. It's going to well, it it turn into two conferences because this is what I believe, right? Give it five to years, me. What's going to be? Tell me if I'm wrong. Five years, we got the Big Ten and we got the SEC and they break them up the same way as the AFC and the NFC. Tell me if I'm wrong. I, I think that's where it's going. It's going to be renamed. At some point, it's going to be renamed, but geographically, it's just going to be probably a split, whether it's two or four, but you've got to create equality within these schools and stop acting as if you know the lower-level Power 5 programs are going to be able to compete with the big dogs, I mean, recruiting services, the the type of caliber of players that are showing up on campus, and the investment that's made, and and really the patience of boosters, because that's really what it is, guys. At the end of the day, the boosters need to see winning, and they need to see it year one. You don't have those couple years. You don't have the two or three years to get it done, and you don't have the development of players. That's just the reality of it. Yeah, the redshirt years kind of it's gone away. Yep. It's nice that they have that to fall back on at some point later down the road as things don't work out, but you know, kids aren't very few are gonna come in and say, like, yeah, I'm gonna redshirt and just develop. They're it's a wait, you know. <laughs> they're getting recruited over. They're you know, they're kind of yeah. almost looked at as like uh, all right, well at that point then we'd rather just have your roster spot. I'm sure you guys are seeing it from the kids that you've seen sign and you say they just, and Gerald, it used to be, you know, back in our day, 
right? Back into well, the crazy thing is, is how quick it changed, yeah. right? I mean, my my day is not like <laughs> it ain't forever ago. <laughs> Two thousand or what? Two thousand eighteen, five years ago was my last yeah. year playing. It's crazy. It's complete. I mean, it is nothing, nothing like what I was playing. Which I I'm I like that the players are getting paid. I like that they're able to move because that was one thing. Uh, being at Nebraska, we had three coaches in our five years there. If we would have been able to have gotten out to be able to either follow our coach or find a different program that we were working, uh, we were getting recruited by in high school to make that easier, probably a lot more people would have moved on. But, uh, I mean, at the end of the day, I am happy that I was able to stick it out. And a lot of my guys, they stuck it out with me. So, yeah, it's just different. And you gain something from that, you yeah. know, and that others aren't by not doing that. So there, there is value there. Um, but yeah, it's it's just tough. And and just to kind of touch on the the conference realignments and all that stuff, I'd I'd like to see you know the the group of fives kind of battle for their own national championship. Um, I think there's got to be you know a separation of power there um, so that they can actually compete and get some, you know, TV dollars and, and all that stuff. I That's a great point, you know. Amen. Everybody, everybody talks about the Power Five, but, like, you look at – you you kidding me that the North Dakota State and the South Dakota, like, those schools couldn't go compete with any of those group of five programs? I mean, the Sam Houston State – We see them every year. You, you're in yeah. or out. They're winning those one double A playoff championships. Let's go let them duke it out. I mean, I'd love to see, you know, the Boise and the San Diego State and, you know, all those big time programs. Let them go duke it out. And maybe some of the lower power fives. Like what's happening with I mean, you look at Oregon State is left out right now. They're one of the top ten programs in the country. But because of where they are geographically. They just don't have the the market appeal, but they play really good football. And it's a shame because those guys are great coaches. They got really good players up at Oregon State, but it's just it's amazing to see how fast this thing is changing really by the day. Absolutely. It's all about those that T V market more so than no. the wins and losses. Hi to me. You called it. I couldn't believe you called that the Oregon was gonna go to the Big Ten. We had one of our podcast uh I don't know if it was 10 or 11, but we had the Oregon uh, O-line coaches on here, and then Jaime just calls it. He was like, uh, you guys can't tell me, but I'm going to guess you guys are going to the Big Ten. And then it was like the next week, and I was like, okay. <laughs> I'm like, go ahead and call out Nebraska winning the, the national championship. I didn't know you could do stuff like that, Jaime. I'm not. I'm sorry, Joe. It's got to be within not, reason, right? I'm not going to tell you that, right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> Let's be real. We're- I can't sit here and lie, Gerald. <laughs> Come on now. They would drug test me if I said that, right? Now. So, um, <laughs> hey, let's switch this up. Let's talk O-line. Let's let's get back to the big boys. The reality of football is um, the offensive line world, it usually takes a little longer. We're talking about developing and the big boys, and it's hard for a true freshman. It's very rare. Right for a guy to come in and and contribute right away. I mean, those are just the generational type of freak athletes that are you know further developed. They have the understanding of the game. It's the position that takes the longest to develop. And Kyle, Alec, you guys have seen it. You've seen kids go in and contribute. You've seen guys that are all world five star, big time. Everybody in the world wants them, and it usually takes those guys two years, three years to really be the polished player Gerald you played with some guys that you know came in and contributed early talk to me about what you guys are looking for evaluation wise what you've seen as projections of guys that have been long-standing top players and maybe some examples of guys that you've gotten to know throughout the process that have kind of been some of the best you've ever been around yeah, no doubt. I mean, we 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 look at the offensive line, right? It's 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 a wall. You got to be a big boy to be able to, you know, get be athletic, but also be violent, uh, be a downhill road grader, be a mauler, right? And um, you know, I, I love a lineman that's willing to bang, bang kick somebody and put them in the dirt, right? You know, for me, I'm big on hand placement with linemen. When you're when you're playing on the offensive line, I don't want to see your elbows out of here. I want to see your hands right inside of that inside chest plate, 
striking and keeping your feet moving through contact, right? Uh, really big on pad level. Um, also huge on knee bend and footwork, right? You, if your feet are, you know, stuck in mud and pass bro, then clearly you need to work on your feet, right? And uh, when it comes to being a downhill mauler, right? Are you a guy that's just pushing dudes out of the way? Or are you somebody that's really willing to uh, impose violence on another human? And that is the game of football. That That's what it's all about is it is a game of violence. It's a game of, you know, just true who is the biggest man on the field, who's the toughest guy out here. And, um, you know, those are the types of guys I look for in offensive linemen. And, you know, I guess the two dudes from my time scouting the last couple of years with Catapult, um, one of them just that comes to mind is Ernest Green. I mean, Ernest was out of uh, St. John Bosco, ended up signing with Georgia late in the cycle, and is now their starting right tackle, I believe, over at Georgia. Uh, I mean, all of 6'5", at, at high school, 300 pounds, re- incredibly light on his feet. Talk about a guy that was really a downhill mauler, violent, um, was willing to impose his will on another human every freaking flight. Um, that was what I loved watching about Ernest Green. I mean, he was just just that violent constantly. He was super fundamentally sound and just loved the way he continued to attack the game and attacked his, his opposition every week. Um, you know, another one for me that sticks out, and Kyle and I loved him last cycle. That was Tyson Ruffins, um out of Long Beach Poly. Um, he's a kid that was a bit undersized at probably 6'2 and a quarter, uh, 275 pounds. He's on the shorter side of things. Um, just ended up signing with Nevada late here a couple months ago. Was really kind of filtering through some college options. But when you talk about a fundamentally sound offensive lineman, uh, a guy that will probably make an early impact in Reno, uh, you know, all over with the Wolfpack, Tyson Robbins is that guy. I mean, just terrific pad level, great knee bend, a very athletic build, um, somebody that's willing to uh, be athletic and pass for with what with the, and when the run game comes on. He's mono mono, ready to put somebody in the dirt constantly every play. Um, love the way he stayed square on his opposition too. I really am big on guys with their ability to stay square on on opposing defensive linemen. That's huge in the evaluation for me as well. So um, those are the two guys I think for me that I've seen that I've been like, talk about a fundamentally sound lineman. Ernest Green, Tyson Ruffin, shout out to you boys. Go kill an arena, Tyson, and uh, go keep killing it, Ernest, over in Georgia and Athens. Well, you took the words right out of my mouth, Alec. Um, you know, I, I had the opportunity to watch Ernest uh, during the COVID year, the spring season. I think it was four-game season. Um, I was covering Southern California at the time and went out there and just watched Trinity League for, for a couple days in a row and um, got to see him live, and that was obviously impressive. And maybe somebody that translates to guard, you know, in the NFL type thing, but um, obviously getting it done at a high level with a, a good program. And then Tyson Reference was just kind of the epitome to me and something that I preach a lot is size isn't the skill necessarily. This kid was so good with with his hands and his leverage, and um, I mean, had like natural leverage built in, obviously. But but he, you know, he could still anchor, you know, much larger, you know, D tackles, and um, people just can't get off the six two though, you know, and, and that drives me nuts because I feel like we're we're stepping over dollars to pick up dimes, you know what I mean? And um, or you know, as they're filtering through a database they have their parameters set up at, you know, six, four yeah. or taller. And I'm like, yeah. man, you're missing out the dudes that are six, three and seven eighths, you know, with, with the length, you know, cause, cause arm length, you know, plays a huge factor too. And, um, you know, the, the six, seven guys, you know, maybe they have the short arms, they can, they're not as athletic. They don't have the, the good pad level, that sort of stuff. So I, I, I like to look at all that, um, in the, throughout the evaluation process. Two things that I always looked at is wingspan and hand size for offensive line because you're going to get you're going to get yourself out of a bad situation. It's going to happen as an offensive lineman, but if a guy has long arms, if they're able to play long, extend, keep a defender off of them, play with great length, and then hand size, like the position is all about holding. You better right. learn how to hold as an offensive lineman, and kids right. don't really have to do that in high school because they're just bigger. You know, the the premier kids, the the top, maybe some of the top-ranked kids, they're just bigger and they maul guys. But when you go to the next level and you play someone equal size or a little bit more athletic, you better learn to hold. You better put your hands on. Alec, you talked about having hands in breastplate and being able to latch on, Gerald. That was one of the things that you were so good at. You were great at holding and moving your feet while doing that. Gerald, what were some of the things, some of the guys you were around? I mean, you played at a uh, an O-line factory at Nebraska. 
Um, I'm sure you probably got some dudes that were like more ready-made, ready to play as opposed to some of those developmental guys. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, I would say the the one thing that kind of sticks out from the guys that I knew, you know, they, they didn't need any, uh, they didn't need like the time to get bigger. They didn't need the time to, uh, get their footwork and all that stuff down. Those are usually the guys that were two, maybe three sport athletes that were already that size that everybody wanted. Right. They're already the six, four, six, five size. Now this guy not only does that, but he's he's got great knee bend because he does wrestling. Or there's a six three, six, four guy that or six five, six, six guy that played basketball, so his footwork, he's real light on his feet, he's able to move around really well. It's usually somebody like that that another sport was allowing them to be able to 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 carefully make themselves an even better player. That knee bend, I, I obviously will give it up to um to wrestling, but you know, being able to have that quick footwork, something that basketball always uh it, it allows you just another opportunity to do it. Stuff on the football field, I feel like you kind of get caught into the uh robotics of O line when you're doing all the drills. And I I try to teach all the young guys, I'm like, be as fluent as you can. You know, I, I have rules but these rules can't put you in such a straw or such a tight box that you don't play the way that you should play the way that your body type should play. And I, I think the guys that understand that, that fluidity, uh, those are the guys that get out on the field early. Those are the guys that if it's not going to be year one, then their year two ones, twos, they're going to figure out a way to get out on the field just because they, they, you know, they've adapted to the game and they understand what it's like not only to be a big person but to be an athlete out on the out on the field and the athletic stuff uh, I feel like when you get into college you finally start getting taught okay let's not only have the running backs do all the drill work with their footwork let's have the whole line do it because obviously everybody needs it and that's what's going to build you into being a better player so that that's what I would say um from all the guys that I played with and all the guys I've seen come into the school and uh I guess the the one that I, I should always uh, bring back up is, um, <clears throat> you, you can't be, you can't just be good at football. You have to be able to understand football, right? No doubt. And I don't want to go too deep into that because that that'll send me for twenty minutes. But you just can't <laughs> you can't find yourself uh, just a, a big guy that's got good feet. You got to find yourself being in the right position and understanding what's going on. I think that's a huge part of the evaluation process, Kyle, Alec. You guys may see the the physical attributes. You may see the academics. Okay, he's a good fit. Um, he may have some of those um, some of those measurables, but like football IQ, like is that something in the evaluation process that Catapult will look at? Is that something in your write ups when you got guys that play multiple positions? They have played multiple sports. Like, what have you seen in your evaluation and how you write kids up and and try to find the right home for them? Absolutely. Um, I try to paint the biggest, broadest picture I can of of everything I know on that player when I write them up. So, um, multiple sports, not only that they play them, but how good are they? What are their stats in those sports? You know, are they... 50 plus foot shot putter, 160 plus foot discus, that sort of thing. Um, wrestling obviously is huge. Um, well, talking no line play, you know, of course. And, um, but also even other, you know, it, there's just a mentality with wrestlers and a, a grittiness and toughness that you want to see on a football field in any position too. So, um, you know, just a, a, a couple examples here, you know, I wrote up a kid, um, yesterday and I'm sending him out tomorrow. Um, second year playing football has gained, you know, went through a huge growth spurt has gained over a hundred pounds in the last calendar year. So he's had a lot his knees, right? So he's kind of baby giraffe a little bit, trying to figure out how to move around in his new body. Um, went out and threw the shot put discus last year for the first time. And again, went over 50 feet, 160 feet you know, feet and discus and, um, plays, plays right tackle and D tackle. And, and now he's six, six, two seventy. That's, 
extremely intriguing. However, he's a 2024. Yes. He's, he's light years behind in the recruiting process and who's got room available for him and all that stuff. So, so I try and paint this picture of like, look, yes, you're going to get a portal guy. You may have a guy committed. Keep somebody warm in case, you know, you don't find somebody or somebody leaves and you can get this guy um, because, you know, he's going to help a, a really good program here. So um, I guess to answer your question, it's really just painting that that broad picture of everything from athletically to background to home life to character because um, we're, at, we're at all these games on the sidelines. And um, I tell kids, you know, when I speak at, at schools, um, I say, look, the football's football. You know, I could watch that anywhere at any time. I'm here to watch you interact with your teammates. How do you react when you're not the one that scored the touchdown or you didn't get the ball thrown to you? You know, how are you on the bench? Are you coachable? And then I say, how do you treat your mom after the game? Because that tells a lot. And and people seem to overlook that or, or, or maybe they're gone, right? They're in their car driving home for the night because they watch the football game. But I man, there's such like little nuances that, that come into factor that I think can benefit a college program that's looking to recruit this kid too. So I, I try and really turn over every rock I can when I'm there um, to, to try and build the biggest, uh, most accurate picture possible. Alec, what are some of the things that you've looked at? I mean, you've played Division One football. Um, yeah. Some of those kind of key components, maybe not the measurables but you know getting to know a kid what makes him tick how much do you take the coach's advice sometimes coaches will oversell their players um what are some of the things that kind of you're looking for um i mean like you said coaches will at times sell their players and you know that from your experience as a recruiter at at the division one level so um you know that'll happen to us kyle and myself we'll, we'll get get from one of these coaches hey he's a p5 guy but the reality is He's more of a group of five, maybe FCS kit. Um, and for me, when I'm at games or I'm at practices, I'm watching how fast are these guys practicing? How hard are they practicing? Are they going balls to the wall, full tilt every friggin' minute of the practice? You know, told the told the told the practice is done, or are they kind of jogging? You know, to the huddle? Are they jogging to the football? Um, really, I'm I'm all about how guys compete. And are you going to compete not only on the field with your guys, but are you competing in the classroom? Because like we talked about earlier, you know, there are, there are guys that prospects that we talk to and kids that will share, well, you know, what their GPAs are. We obviously have to, you know, import that into our database and be honest with that academic information. So um, really, how are these guys competing on and off the field? But, um, you know, from a, a stature standpoint, I mean, we also think, you know, when we got a 6'5", 250-pound guy, he's more of a tackle body. You know, and he's somebody that really could develop where does his shoulders have the width in its brain to be able to sustain another 50, 40 pounds? Um, does his legs have, have, you know, the the width in those to be able to add another 40, 50 pounds? You really got to analyze body types as well of if these guys do fit that next level in that way, if their bodies even fit the amount of weight that it has to put on to be successful at the next level. So, um, but to go back on the football IQ thing, heck yeah, we're asking these kids. I mean, I'll even be at practice talking to kids about, you know, three, four defense and asking them where they're lined up, why are they lined up that way and really kind of get a feel for their brain. Are they understanding where they're supposed to be lined up when they're, when they're getting lined up. Right. And just to be able to interact with those kids and uh, understand how, how they learn the game of football and how much they really do know, um, you know, we'll honestly report that back to all of our college programs you work with for sure. Golly. I <laughs> sitting here and listening to you guys talk really just makes me want to ask like a billion questions Keep this fire away, never ending. Fire away. That's the that's the problem. Like uh, we're we're definitely gonna have to do this again. We're gonna have to do this again. That's all this is setting up for. Well, well, I'll I'll be able to sit down and write down all these questions that are brewing in my head. But uh, before before we you know end up wrapping this thing completely up, um, last advice you guys would have for uh for recruiting for. Uh, just specific, you know, just generalized for football. What would you give to uh to the kids, to parents, to whoever's listening to us today? I think they need to ring their own race. Um, not everybody's being recruited at the same degree, you know, as maybe their teammates, and 
and there's a number of reasons why, and most of them are usually political or, or things out of their ability to control. So um, I would just say it'll happen when it'll happen. It may never happen, but it's got to be on your pace and, and, and don't force it. That's when you end up in a bad fit or bad situation. And, uh, that's thousands of dollars in debt because you chased the logo instead of, you know, something that was realistic to you. So to really just kind of take a step back, look at if you're even happy about being there, football aside, is that the diploma you want hanging on your wall in your office, you know, 20 years from now? Um, that sort of thing. So that would be my, my biggest advice is just, just understand that, that there's a lot of things going on out of your control. But man, you only have so many Friday nights to, to suit up. Enjoy every one of them. Uh, don't get so caught up in this recruiting stuff and offers and, and this and that because it's uh, there's so many having to shoot. We can get into fake offers and all that stuff. And these kids are like going through mental illness because they're seeing these guys get offers. And they're not, they're not valid, you know? So just don't get caught up in that stuff. Be a good teammate, be a good human being. And, and, and some of that will take care of itself. I mean, Kabe took the words out of my mouth when it comes to that, right? I mean, I think the big thing for these kids is don't compare yourself to somebody else who's got the same body type as you and is in the same league as you and who's got three more offers than you. Play your own game. Be your own, be your own man, and have your own identity. Because the, at the end of the day, you're the one that's going to the, trying to get to the next level. What, like, if you play the comparison game, I mean, that's not going to be healthy for you. Uh, your mindset on this process, I mean, it's one of the toughest processes I think I've been through in my life, and probably a lot of other kids that have been through the recruiting process. Because the reality is, you have to balance trying to self market yourself to college programs, but also, you know, interact with these dudes, and at the same time. You got to play games on Friday nights and have relationships with your teammates. Um, so, you know, when it comes to those those moments, man, I mean, these Friday night lights don't last forever. They were some of my favorite moments playing football. And, you know, like Coach Tommy, I mean, we were at Nevada together. And, and Gerald, you've been in Nebraska. I mean, the, you, you go to the highest level of football, the, the FBS level. And the reality is, man, Friday night lights, like nobody can take those moments from you. Those, are, those will be some of the greatest moments you'll ever play. Um, and don't waste that time of what's going to happen by recruiting. How's it going to happen? Because the reality is it will get figured out. Play every freaking snap like it's your last on Friday nights. And the reality is if you play like that, play hard every freaking snap, and you let people know I'm coming, your recruiting will get handled. And you, you do your job in the classroom, it will get handled. But, you know, don't, don't like lose sight of these moments with your teammates and your high school coaches because – you know, those are the, some of the best moments that I think people that are in the NFL will even say it. they they have still or are their times playing high school football because it is such a brotherhood, the camaraderie, the environment. You're playing in front of your mom and pops every weekend. I mean, you're playing for your hometown. You're playing for your community. You're playing for your region. Or if you're playing for one of the top programs in the country, you're playing for the brand, right, at the high school level even. So, um, you know, the reality is don't lose sight of it because it, it – it's going to go like that, and then you're done playing ball at the high school level, and then you got to go on to college ball. So you, you got to live every moment and play every snap that gets you last. I love it. That's great advice, guys, just to be able to uh, live in the moment and and take care of where you're at. And, uh, you know, one of the uh, some of the advice that, uh, that I got from my offensive line coach when I was playing at SC, um, he said, get your head where your butt is. And I had no idea what he was talking about. I thought maybe he was saying, pull my head out. But what he was saying is, live in the moment. Play in the present. When you're in football, be in football. When you're in school, be in school. When you're with your friends, be with your friends. But make the most of your high school experience. And that's one of the things that we can give great advice to parents and to kids. And it's a, such a short shelf life playing this game. And that's why we're all around this game. We miss it. That's why we coach. That's why we train guys. That's why we're scouting because there's no greater game than the game of football. And it's such a small window that everybody wants to be around it, uh, whether it's playing, coaching, evaluating, whether you're uh, working the concession stand or being the announcer or doing the chain gang as a parent. 
This is awesome. Friday night lights. There's nothing better because really beyond that, it's a business. And so enjoy your high school opportunity. Parents, let it happen. Don't try to force something unless it's it's naturally uh, happening for your child. So um, Kyle, Alec, love having your insight. Love what Catapult does to help uh, open up avenues um, for uh, student athletes across the country. You guys are free for student athletes, uh, 20 plus scouts all over the country. What, 250 uh, different clients at every different level. Uh, it's great to see what's happening. And I know you have a sense of accomplishment when all of a sudden you connect a, a prospect to a school and all of a sudden you see that kid playing on Saturdays. That's got to be a pretty awesome feeling. No doubt. Going to reward. You know, when, when you see the that i mean that just makes me feel so good when when kids get opportunities that that maybe you helped initiate um like i said we'll never tell somebody how to spend their scholarship dollars but but if we can put somebody on their board and it sticks yeah that's a good feeling no doubt gerald you got anything else for the guys i not in this one they they said we're gonna be back for round two so <laughs> we'll be back anytime anytime this is one we we will have to do it, and you know it's always uh, it's always about the big boys, the offensive line. Uh, appreciate the insight and, and what you guys can bring to the table. It's it's really a unique perspective that you guys have. Love what you're doing, and uh, you know keep looking for those maybe developmental guys like you talked about, a guy that's going to grow that's not already the finished product because it's the position that really takes the longest to develop. When you talk about just physically, but understanding the game mentally. And then just the the uh, the sheer time and the investment that it takes to learn the fundamentals of offensive line play. So I think Kyle and Alec understand uh, how unique the offensive line position is. And uh, with that being said, we appreciate having you guys on. Appreciate it. Thanks for the time.